everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine specializing in the treatment of infertility via natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naterna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. I am tackling a topic today that honestly, I think most people don't want to hear about. (laughs) And that is the topic of alcohol as it pertains to the effects on fertility. And I I totally realize that it's an escape for many. And I definitely don't want to be coming down on anybody for what they're choosing to do. What I am simply seeking to do with this podcast is to provide you some information on the topic of alcohol and how it affects fertility so that you can make informed decisions and, you know, find your way in this fertility adventure. So we all know that booze isn't exactly our ally, but since it's our metaphoric comfort blanket or escape for many of us, we tend to not want to look into the topic at all. Since I'm venturing out to be your guide on this fertility adventure, I thought it would be prudent to bring to your attention some of the negative impacts of alcohol um, as it pertains to your fertility and your goals. Let's start with hormones. Alcohol causes imbalances with estrogen. In fact, it was reported to increase the risk of breast cancer, particularly wine. That being the case, I surmise it has an effect on stimulating estrogen-sensitive tissues. So if you have endometriosis, fibroids, polyps, or other growths, wine and other forms of alcohol are simply not your friend. Besides it maybe affecting estrogen-sensitive tissues, as is the case of breast cancer and the other disorders that I mentioned, it majorly clogs up your liver. This we know already. We know that alcohol is filtered through the liver, and so it adds an additional burden to what our liver has to deal with. And since it bungs up your liver, you won't be able to properly process hormones and hormone metabolites and junk in your system. So if you've gone through IVF, for example, and you have all the hormone buildup from the medications and the production of eggs, and your liver is being bunged up with alcohol, then it can't really filter out all that junk. And so you end up getting more imbalance in your hormones um, than you would be if you allowed your body to cleanse itself. Additionally, when your liver is bunged up, you're retaining toxins and toxins are major hormone disruptors and they can also lead to inflammation and worsen things like insulin resistance, which are majorly bad for fertility. When you can't detoxify properly, we're not only going to have issues with retaining hormone metabolites, retaining toxins, but the major byproduct is inflammation and free radical damage. And inflammation and free radical damage are what account for a lot of egg quality issues. And silent inflammation is really sneaky. I've done other episodes on this. Uh, but what we do know about it, even if we don't aren't aware of it, is that it, it is associated with free radical damage, which is an issue for egg quality. And egg quality is a major battle for a lot of women trying to get pregnant. 
So just keep that in mind is that if you're trying to improve egg quality, then you really want to pay attention to all the things that we call causing inflammation and throwing your hormones out of whack. Another thing with inflammation is that can affect uh, the chances of implantation. So if you're dealing with implantation failure or trouble maintaining a pregnancy, then this could be an issue for you. Furthermore, if you have the MTHFR gene mutation, which a lot of women are finding out they do have when they're on the fertility journey, MTHFR is associated with the inability or decreased ability to detoxify properly. And so if you have MTHFR, it's actually worse for you to be consuming alcohol because your liver is already kind of sluggish to begin with and not getting rid of all the hormone disrupting uh, toxins and metabolites and things that you're accumulating internally. Moral of the story is when you clog up your liver, it is an issue for toxins, for inflammation, for hormonal balance and the like. One thing that people know less about when it comes to alcohol is that alcohol can balance the, your gut and vaginal bacteria. This is actually a big one. And I've done another uh, couple episodes on this. Alcohol causes overgrowth of yeast and bacteria that can gobble up hormones, cause nutrient deficiencies, promote unhealthy inflammation and immune responses. I did an episode on candida, which is a specific fungal infection that is systemic and often can hamper fertility efforts, can affect hormonal balance. And if we're looking at what alcohol does in its various forms, it's a sugar. Um, and so a sugar feeds bacteria, bad bacteria and bad fungus. And that makes it proliferate. So it's going to cause unfavorable internal environment for sperm. So your cervical environment could be killing sperm. Um, you could keep getting UTIs or vaginal infections like BV, or just have uh, low grade vaginal infections or yeast infections that you're not totally aware of that are creating an inhospitable environment for sperm to live uh, and also for you to have implantation. These low grade infections are a problem. And since booze is literally food for these microbes, I suggest avoiding it. Now, there are some types of booze that are more so food for the microbes. Uh, so wine is definitely a bad one because it has sugars, it has yeast, dark alcohols like brown liquors are really bad. All those cocktails that are really sugary, terrible for this issue. If you were wanting to do some kind of alcohol that feeds the microbes less, then it would be something like vodka or tequila, for example. But then you're still getting into the issue with it bunging up your liver and it still creates inflammation. So no type of alcohol is really a good idea at this point if you are struggling. Uh, but I would say the ones that are more prone to make yeast and bacterial balances worse are maybe a greater evil in some ways. Uh, so another thing about alcohol is that it can cause nutrient deficiencies. I just alluded to this, but nutrient deficiencies can be a major foe in producing healthy eggs and being receptive to receive a pregnancy or even hold it for that matter. If you are drinking alcohol that's increasing microbes that gobble up your nutrients, or if your body just uses a bunch of extra nutrients to try to detoxify the alcohol, it's very common to become deficient in B vitamins, for example, that are super important for hormonal balance and for the health of an egg or embryo. Uh, they deplete the detoxification of alcohol also depletes 
antioxidants. So glutathione and other things that would help you detoxify are used up. And so we don't then have a lot of the antioxidant effect that we would need to improve our egg quality or improve the environment for uterine receptivity. We may become deplete of things like iron, which are absolutely essential for growing a pregnancy because the, the fetus needs that iron. So the nutrient deficiencies are, are a big deal and alcohol commonly causes a slew of them uh, when consumed regularly. It's not something that's given a lot of attention, but it's something that deserves a little bit more because we shouldn't be willingly depleting nutrition from our bodies when we're trying to optimize our bodies for conception. We will get right back to today's episode in just a sec. But I didn't want to miss the opportunity to tell you about an exciting new project that I have underway. So here it is. I get a lot of questions about what to eat and avoid when trying to get pregnant. Since so many of you are interested in optimizing your fertility via nutrition, I've created a very special course that teaches you the ins and outs of just that. It hasn't launched yet, but keep your eyes and ears peeled from my course on fertility nutrition. Whether you are already undergoing IVF or just trying the old-fashioned way, my goal is to help give you all the nutritional tools you need to enhance your fertility and speed your path to baby. All right, let's jump back in. Booze is also like sugar on a rocket ship. So it's basically like it's sugar and then with the alcohol, it just enters your bloodstream really fast. So if you are somebody with PCOS or insulin resistance, then this issue is extremely pertinent for you. We really don't want a lot of fluctuations in our insulin and blood sugar levels because it can hamper implantation. It can cause you to miscarry. It will cause inflammation that will lead to egg degradation. So I know I'm kind of repeating myself in terms of the effects, but it's coming at you from a few different angles. Uh, and a lot of it does come back to inflammation, but some of it really is that you're becoming inflamed because you're changing your internal environment with the alcohol. You're changing your liver's ability to detoxify and process hormones. Uh, you're changing the environment of your digestive system, your gut, which we know affects our immunity and inflammation big time. You're changing your pancreatic function, uh, which is really important in being able to sustain a pregnancy. Not only that, you're also changing your mental and emotional outlook. So if you're already struggling mentally and emotionally as you're going through the fertility journey, adding alcohol to the mix is not exactly favorable because it's a depressant. You know, you think that it's giving you an escape. Um, when you're drinking it, you feel great. The next day, maybe if your body's used to it, you don't even notice that it's dampering your mood, but it is. It's making you foggy. It's making your outlook less bright. It's probably making you have less faith and be less hopeful. It's probably putting you on a roller coaster of emotions. And I mean that it could be doing this even if you're only indulging maybe like once or twice a week, for example. Be really careful and really moderate about how you're taking in alcohol. I think none is the best policy, but if you're having, you know, a few sips of wine or a really like one to two ounces once a week or something like that, then it's probably not the end of the world, but it's still not optimizing you. I've noticed that um, as my patients kind of leave it behind, 
the more weeks they're off it, the more they feel better and better physically and emotionally. Another thing is that if you're trying to shed weight, uh, if that's maybe getting in the way of you feeling good about yourself or could be affecting your fertility because we hold a lot of toxins and estrogens in our fat cells, uh, then alcohol is working against you because it clogs up your liver. You're not going to metabolize fats that well. It's also going to spike your insulin, which would make you retain weight around your midsection and your, in your upper body. So uh, alcohol is definitely getting in the way of anything to do with maintaining a good figure. But if you really don't want to quit it altogether, which I would completely understand, I would just really be really mindful of consuming it not frequently at all, like definitely not being a weakened warrior, because if you do it a couple days in a row, then your body really has to deal with the buildup of that, at least if you space it out like once a week, or just make sure that there are several days in between doses so that your body can recover and that you're not overloading it and causing a proliferation of bad bacteria, of overloading your liver, overloading your kidneys, um, making your insulin spike and go all over the place. So just be really careful about how you're consuming it. I know that there are certain fertility doctors that are like, oh, just have your glass, you know, no big deal if it makes you unwind. I beg to differ uh, because if there's even a little bit of evidence against consuming alcohol for fertility, then I say that's enough for me. So I'm going to cite a couple studies to help. Um, this one's called The Effects of Alcohol Consumption on Male and Female Fertility. It was a total of 2,545 couples and over the course of 4,729 cycles, 41% of women and 58% of men drank one to six drinks per week. Women drinking at least four drinks per week had 16% less odds of a live birth rate compared to those who drank fewer than four drinks per week. For couples in which both partners drank at least four drinks per, per week, the odds of live birth were 21% lower with couples in which both drank fewer than four drinks per week. Conclusion is that the consumption of as few as four alcoholic drinks per week is associated with a decrease in IVF live birth rate. So, you know, four drinks kind of happens pretty fast. That's a weekend for a lot of people, like two drinks a couple nights in a row kind of thing. That, that'll do it. Uh, and the pores in the United States of America are, aren't exactly light. Like we are making drinks pretty strong over here. We're pouring the glass of wine, like almost to the top. So just keep that in mind that it's leading to a decrease in IVF success and it's, and it's just not worth it. Another study was about the effects of, uh, maternal and paternal alcohol consumption on, on success rate of IVF also, and there, for those uh, women that were consuming alcohol, there was a 13% decrease in the number of eggs retrieved. Um, there was an increase in risk of not achieving pregnancy by almost three times. And there was an increased uh, risk of miscarriage by two times. For men, one, ad one additional drink per day increased the risk of not achieving a live birth by two to eight times depending on the period of time, beer also affected live birth. So men will be like, oh, well, it's just beer. It's just light. It's no big deal, but it is. Um, and it might not just be the alcohol. It could be the way that it affects the gut bacteria. It could be the toxins in cans, for example, like BPA. This outcome may be partially due to increased risk of miscarriage by um, 2.7 to 38 times more for men who drank like less than a month before or during an IVF cycle. 
That's crazy. So, you know, it's really interesting. And I, I think this was a smaller study. And so it doesn't get as much attention. But the fact that the partner drinking alcohol could have potentially affected things as much is kind of scary. Um, and because alcohol's use is ubiquitous, modifying drinking habits may increase assisted uh, reproductive technology success rates. And since the success rates are so low, it, it's worthwhile to kind of take a look at this. Your doctor means well when they tell you to have that glass of wine, um, but perhaps leave the lifestyle counseling to those that are a little bit more trained in this area. Those in my field will be honest with you about what might be helping or hindering your efforts. And you can find solace in other ways. Meditation, time with loved ones, gentle yoga, reading, music, breath work. There are many ways. Uh, art, uh, booze really just can get in your way. And and not only can it get in the way of your hormonal balance and your fertility, but it also just is not good for your mental and emotional outlook, as I mentioned before. So if you're feeling a little out of sorts with the process, keep your mind clear and your spirits up. Try mocktails on for size. There's actually a bunch of brands now putting out non-alcoholic versions of, of drinks, like in pretty bottles that look like they would be an alcoholic beverage, but they're not. And so, you know, you can still indulge. If you're out for drinks or with friends and you don't really want to be drinking, you can ask for bitters and sparkling water. Uh, you can ask for a mocktail low on the sugar and something that just used some bitters and something sparkling or what have you. So there are ways to still enjoy a beverage without needing to become inebriated. Also, as soon as you break the habit of this kind of high that you or escape that you receive from the alcohol, you won't miss it. It's getting over the mental hurdle of, of getting out of the habit. It's a similar thing with coffee. Uh, so I highly recommend trying at least like a couple weeks off and see how you do. I think you're going to love it so much that you will kind of leave it to the side for a while. And, you know, after you get a handle on it, that's maybe when you have a glass once in a while because you're not as wed to it. If you're a person that's black and white in terms of your habits and you really have to have a lot uh, or none at all, then you know that you're veering towards maybe the none at all. I hope this was helpful and definitely not meaning to come down on anybody. It's just, you know, my goal with this podcast is to help you get success and feel well in your life and conceive a healthy pregnancy. And so I just want to let you know the things that might be more getting in your way rather than helping you on the journey. Until next time. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community. And I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.